If you tuned in last time, Josh and I were talking about the hubris of humans, and we decided to make it a two-part episode based on the type of content we wanted to create. So join us for part two of the hubris of, hubris of humans today on Curiosity Continuum. Josh. And this is Brian. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry innovating, non traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and you want to dive deeper, visit us at curiosityontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start the conversation. So just to give you a quick uh, previously on Curiosity Continuum little wrap-up here, <laughs> we're talking about the hubris of humans, and it revolved around what we're going to do with AI. Not just from a how we advance humanity, but really as the cautionary backstop about what we are going to do with it and what is it going to do with us kind of is yeah. a bigger question. So, I mean, I think the last episode is good because we kind of framed the problem. We framed the issue and we were starting to talk about context. And then we were just kind of like, you know what? This is a way bigger, deeper conversation, obviously. All of our conversations are, but we wanted to actually record more on it. So, I, like Brian said, let's just do a part two. And I don't think we've ever done that before on the fly, but let's let's dive into it. I mean, let's just talk about, let's like pick up where we left off. So I'll pick up the question where you asked, so what are we going to do about AI when it's able to look at all of humanity, you know, at all stages of a life, let's say that you record from a you know, digital native to now, and you start to look at how this thing may inform decisions. Yeah. Let's talk let's talk about the morality of the machine because the machine doesn't have that. And what we when we're talking about moral constructs and worldviews, human beings are still feeding into the AI, right? Yeah. And whether they know they know it or not. And here's the issue is that you could actually look at data and come to the wrong conclusion based on a decision path. So now I'm kind of talking about some of my work life. Right. I've, I've been paid over the course of my professional career often because not only can I make sense of data, I can also draw interpretations out of it and have insights into it that is not inherent from the data itself. Right. So, that's so you're, the, you're using the, your, your experience... And your intuition as a person to actually like extrapolate something. Yes. The bridge component that I offer just by how I'm wired and what I'm good at is what people value. This is how I've made my career largely. Now, here's the thing. Here's a great example of this. I had a colleague who I never officially had as a client, but we were uh, colleagues. I helped her jumpstart and inflict her business just over time. And... 
she came to me with one day we were having coffee and she looked a little bit down and I said, what's going on? She said, my accountant just told me I have to claim bankruptcy. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, tell me how you got to this conclusion. This doesn't make sense to me. Now you have to understand she does events and these events book out you know, at least a year in advance. So she had 52 weekends of business. And she said, based on what my accountant said, I need to claim bankruptcy. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. You have all this business, and I know the price points of them. So we talked about it a little bit, and here was the conclusion that I came to and I shared with her. I said, change your deposit policy. She had a deposit policy that didn't front load enough cash to make her business run, and these are events that, like, there was no reason why you couldn't just adjust the deposit policy, right? Sure. And she did. You know what? That solved the issue, quote unquote. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. The data said that you should claim bankruptcy. According to one person's interpretation of it, what they weren't looking at was the construct it lived in and some of the other factors that you could pull on to do it. There actually wasn't a problem with her business. There was a problem with a practice. A process. Where a process yeah. component. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that if you had just looked at the information. For sure. You weren't looking at the overall constructs of it. This podcast has been in large part looking at the constructs by which we are interpreting the data given to us and how we synthesize it into information. So this is a very type CC type of question. How does the AI understand the context and the construct that it lives in itself? Correct. Because when you brought the articles to me, Josh, we're looking at how human beings, whether for good, bad, or otherwise, are trying to make the AI do what they want it to do. It's and a control And thing. they're trying to make it do the stuff it's not programmed to do. So they're trying to force it to learn, but learn in a different way that it wasn't originally intended to do. So at that point, you're trying to give basically machine learning sentience by forcing it to think about like because what makes something sentient right it has to be aware of itself correct it has to be aware of its ego like aware of where it is in space time and i don't think that it's it's, it's not there, there yet it's no. not there but will it get there probably at some point but i don't I don't even know if we'll know when that happens. It might just happen. And you'll always see all these post-apocalyptic games. I think maybe the first movie that I remember as a kid watching was War Games. Where Joshua, because I was, you know, my name's Josh. It was the first time I ever heard my name said outside of my family group, right? <laughs> yeah. And that was the computer program. And it used flawed data, like Brian's saying. To, and it was, and the kid thought he hacked into it and was playing a game called Thermonuclear War. Now, if you've never seen this movie, it's it's obviously very dated, but it's very prescient to today, <coughs> because he's like playing a game with the computer, but the computer is actually launching nuclear missiles, like is going to launch nuclear missiles. It's like, well, how do I win this game? You know? And he's like, how do I win? I think he posed the question, if I remember right. It was like, how do I win? 
and like win so that it's it doesn't happen again. And they're like total annihilation and thermonuclear war. And he's like, oh, well, let's play thermonuclear war. And because it was a war game simulator and the computer's like, OK, well, we'll launch all the missiles against all of our enemies and then there'll be nobody left. Ah, <laughs> but but <laughs> us, because <laughs> if you think about it, that is a logical line to draw. If I get rid of everyone that wants to harm me. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's no one left to harm me, so we're all good. And that's the flawed thing with humans, too. Like, humans, like, Adolf Hitler thought that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pol Pot, Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan, however you say his name. <laughs> they thought that. You know, uh, Napoleon, I'm just going to control everyone or kill them. And then there'll be, I'll be good. <laughs> I'll be good. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, that's what they were no, thinking. Right. Like, they're thinking like, oh, well... If I get rid of my enemies, guess what? We're good. Yeah, and, you're and, good. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody so, else is and, good. I mean, pull it forward to like some movies from today, you know, Terminator. Uh, I mean, like a lot of movies go into this idea. And what, what that tells you is it's in our archetypal language. Like it's, it's here. People think about it, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. And I always just wanted to, like, like I said, what do we do with that? Like, do we need to be better stewards of this or do we need to build in the fail safes because we know we're not going to be able to? Or do the fail safes even work? <laughs> See, when we talk about the people who are trying to make the AI do something it wasn't intended to do, and they've, they've seen some success in it. Yeah. How is it supposed to differentiate? that this is correct. See, this is this is again the moral dilemma that comes in with technology. Yeah. The machine does not have a, any a, type of a moral morals, framework. A moral center. Right, because yeah. it wasn't a kid. And I guess at one point it was in a way, but what kind of things were people feeding it? Mhm. You know, like if you gave it internet access and it got to see the internet. I mean, I could only imagine what it would think of human beings. Mm-hmm. Because there are things about the internet that are wonderful, but there are things about the internet that are just the terrible. T- most terrible side of human beings. And everyone knows what we're talking about, you know, when we talk about that stuff. But is that humanity as a whole? Now, I have a really good friend of mine, not Brian, that says he believes that humans are inherently good as a society. He thinks that we're inherently good because if we all move forward together good things happen as a whole. He goes, there's bad things like World War II, but he goes, out of that came, you know, the next hundred years of people working together or 75 years so far or more than that, 90 years now. And then another one of his friends was telling me that he thinks people are inherently not good. And he pulled a very good argument out. He said, we're only good because you think that bad things will happen to you if you're not good. But if there's no one watching you, why do you do the good thing? And I told him, I said, because you have a moral center and you know what's right and what's wrong. But he's like, but what if you don't? And that was the question that that really got me thinking about the AI question. Because what if you don't have that center and you don't have that little shoulder like your parents talking over your ear, you know, when you're doing something wrong? Like, should you be doing that? You know, the devil on your shoulder and the angel on the 
on the other one, <laughs> you know, that kind of like aspect. Everyone's got that. You got that little internal voice that tells you no or yes. And then you wrestle with it. And but, is it the same voice though? But if you look at the outworking of human history, it can't be the same voice. No, and it's not. Telling you those it, it, it is very individual. And it is because we are individuals. So at that point, then, are you talking about there's good AI and bad AI? Like, is it like the Matrix where there's some AI that wants to live with humans and other AI that just rather just get rid of us? And there is an internal struggle happening there, too. So now we're about- getting in these existential questions that are just <laughs> blowing my mind. But this is these are the conversations that Brian and I had off air for years. And that's why we said to record this stuff. Because hopefully if the AI knows that we're friends, but we're not, but we are, you know, don't come And we're for recording us. this for posterity, <laughs> just in case you have a question, AI. Yeah. I want to take it to a real practical example. Let's sure. say that you have a two-year-old. Let's say you teach that two-year-old to hit somebody. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing. You shouldn't teach a two-year-old to hit somebody. No. But if you did, and they go up and they wallop somebody, and the other person starts crying, Right. Who are you going to hold responsible for that, right? Obviously, the enactor of the action, the child, needs to be held responsible. But then the question is going to be, where did you learn to do that? And if they pointed to their dad and said, my dad had me, you know, daddy taught me how to wallop people. And then, like, there's video footage of you teaching this child how to wallop people, you know, and this is why you do. You're going to call that parent to question, what were you doing? Why were you doing this? At that point, it's still a correctable action because the child is small. But when you have something the size of AI that has the, the expansive ability to be able to connect into the documented examples of humanity, is that a power that you can easily put back in order after you've taught it disorder? Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's end this episode up, but let's just kind of like wrap it up because we can go to the third episode too. But... I'm also thinking about like, uh, like the like Age of Ultron, like in Avengers. Like that was just an AI that just looked on the internet and said, "Wow, peace in our time," because that's what Tony Stark was saying. And so, oh, to get peace in our time, I just got to, I got to take control. And I'm just really concerned with, are we t- doing that? Are we are we doing that not even knowing that we're doing that? Like are we are we creating our own downfall basically as a society, as a as a species, really, in a way. But I mean, will it be that fast? Will it be just like one day we wake up and we're not in control anymore? Or will it be this long protracted war like in Terminator? I mean, I just don't know. And I guess that's the question, right? We don't know, right? So as you talk with other people about what you think you might know or don't know. Remember this question. Who watches the watchers? Yeah. Who holds accountable those who are... The unaccountable. (laughs) You know? Like, it's like with our government. You go far enough up, you get to one person that's in charge. Well, who watches that one person? And is it even a worthwhile exercise to even think about that? I mean, I think we just put a comma, huh, Brian? We do. So until next time, folks, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum.
Thank mm-hmm. you.